Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Come on, River, say amen. Amen means it is so. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, hey, before you take your seats, we're, uh, we have an incredible guest speaker tonight. He's been at the river a couple times. I'll let him tell you uh, his story, but I'll just tell you a few things. He's a real brother of mine. I've known him for a long time. Um, he's older than he looks, um, quite a bit older than he looks, actually. But he's an incredible minister of the gospel. He is finishing up a speaking tour, and he picked y'all to be his finale here tonight. Get this. Who here thinks you're busy? I think I'm busy. Put your hand up if you think you're busy. Okay, you know what? It's a busy world. There are a lot of busy people. This guy spoke 85 times in the last 80 days. From Prince Edward Island all the way to Vancouver. And he said, I got to finish it here at the river. So he came to speak to you tonight. Um, He's a graduate from this college, Canada Christian College. Yeah, we got some CCC people in the house. Um, and his story's incredible. I don't want to steal his thunder, but let me just tell you 30 seconds. He graduated, and he wanted to be a great speaker and minister of the gospel. And you know how many people invited him to speak? Zero. But this is what I love most about this guy. So he said, you know what? Okay, no problem. I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to drive to every single church I can go to. And say, hey, I'm here. Would you like me to speak and, and speak to young adults, speak to youth, speak on Sunday? How can I serve you in any way? And this guy, for his first year of ministry, I don't remember the exact number. It was like 200 times he spoke in his first year of ministry. That's some kind of faith. Just to go out and do it. And since then, he's spoken thousands of times. He's spoken with groups that you know and love, like, I don't know, King and Country, Newsboys, Hillsong, Worship, all of them, everyone. He's spoken with all of them. So we're so honored to have him here tonight. He's got a sick, weird, twisted sense of humor, which you're going to love and enjoy. I do. But he is a man of God, and he's coming to speak tonight. River, would you give a big welcome as you go to your seats to Mike Gordon. Wow. Well, that's fun. Hey, high five maybe six or seven people around you. Six or seven people, give them a high five. Here's how we make friends. Wow. So cool. Well, thank you for having me back. I love this place. Uh, Like Pastor Ryan said, I'm just wrapping up a little speaking tour, which has been, like, super-duper fun. And I've been grateful to partner with the River and Canada Christian College on the tour. So thank you so much for that. And um, you guys look good tonight. 
You know that? Sometimes I bump into the odd person at Walmart. You don't look as good there, but tonight, some of you put some effort into this. They're called single people. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think I need to pray, okay? Lord God, thank you so much for everyone here. Thank you so much for the river, for Canada Christian College, for the leadership, for all the volunteers, everyone who pours in so much energy to make this happen on a weekly basis. Lord, thank you for every person who's here right now. The reality is, like the reality is, no one needs to be in this room. No one was forced to come here. Everyone made some decisions, whatever it was, whatever they said no to, in order to say yes to the river tonight. Thank you, Lord. Now, I hope in some way, shape, or form that you speak. Maybe something resonates with us. Maybe there's an action step to take. So, Lord, whatever you want to do in this moment, please do it. Whatever we need to do in this moment, may we also do it. So Lord, I pray for myself. Just give me some wisdom, some guidance, some clarity. May my thoughts and words be clear, and may you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Super cool. Again, it's so great to be back. Again, thank you so much. Hey, can I share a story with you? <laughs> Let me just spat on the person in front of you. Check this out. A couple years ago, I was invited to go speak at two different conferences and a few churches in a little place called Dubai. Anyone know where Dubai is? Now, I had never been there before up until this point. So as they booked me, I was there for maybe, I think it was 15 days speaking, but I had maybe three or four days off. So the person who booked me said, Mike, I mean, like, Dubai is a very cool city, like, very different than, you know, Whitby, Ontario. And they really encouraged me, like, take an advantage of Dubai. Go do something fun. Has anyone been there before? Yeah? No one? Yep. Okay, awesome. This place is, like, very futuristic. Like, they have everything there. For example, when I was out there, there was um, some guy named Tim Tebow, and he did, like, the world's longest zip line. Anyone remember Tim Tebow? He's having trouble holding on the job, so, you know, keep him, keep him in prayer, you know? Football, baseball, not doing well. World's longest zip line. Um, does anyone love race cars? No? Okay, three people. So, you're, you can rent, like, a race car and, like, drive it around a track for, like, two hours and, like, no real training at all, like, super cool. Um, does anyone love cats? Where are my cat lovers? Remember last year, where are my cat lovers? They eat them out there, you know? Like, I'm, jo I'm joking, I'm totally joking. 
You can do anything over there. They don't, I'm ki- I hope I'm kidding. They don't eat cats, but some people have pet cheetahs out there. Like, you know, like the big cat on, like, the cheesy bags? People drive with those in the car. So when they say anything, they mean, like, you can do anything. So I went on Google. Every single website I checked out, they said the number one thing to do in Dubai is skydiving. Now, I have two problems here. Number one, I am terrified of heights. That's problem number one. Problem number two, I'm a male, and that means I'm stupid. (laughs) Therefore, I thought about this. Should I actually go skydiving and jump out of a plane? So I go on the website. You know, I look at photos. Everyone seems to be smiling. That's a great start. I look at the, um, all those reviews on Google. And honestly, I could not care less if people were giving it like a 5 out of 5 rating or like a 1 star rating. I could care if people were alive. <laughs> to give any rating at all, that's all you really care about, right? So in that moment, I typed in my credit card number and I booked this adventure. February 13, 2018. Let's jump out of an airplane. So I go there. I speak at the first conference, speak at a few churches, and now February 13th comes along. Here's my opportunity. I wake up in the morning. I'm feeling okay. Now as I jumped in a taxi and started uh, heading down to where the facility is, I started, you know, getting a little nervous. Wanted to vomit. I show up. I go to the front desk, and they, you know, they say, you know, write your name down, you know, sign this waiver, which means if you die, we're not held responsible. Like, sure, why not? And then they say, like, hey, Mike, go stand over there, and in 30 minutes, your instructor will come along. So I'm standing there and waiting, 30 minutes pass, 35 minutes pass, and then some man comes up with a mustache, and he says, hey, come with me. It's like Amber Alert, you know, like, <laughs> Like, I don't know you. He introduced himself. I'm like, no, I'm your instructor. I'm like, okay, I trust you now. He started, he started asking different questions. Like, Mike, like, have you ever done this before? I'm like, no, my first time. He says, will this be like the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? I'm like, no, man. I taught my 95-year-old grandma how to use Netflix, you know? Like, that was definitely the, most, the hardest thing I've ever done. Skydiving, nothing. Well, would this be the most dangerous thing you've ever done? I know. I've taken the bus in Scarborough, you know? Like, <laughs> like. This is nothing. And then he says, Mike, I need to give you instructions. I need you to pretend you are a seal. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like arr, arr, you know, like that, like, I don't know. He says, I need you to lay on the ground. I'm getting old. I'm going to try to do this, okay? Just bear with me if I can't get back up, okay? He says, I need you to get flat on your face. 
and we kind of like bend up like this. And when we jump, I need you to kind of always keep this form. So go down, try again. He then says, Mike, you know, when, you're, when we jump, I need you to keep that form. He said, if I hit your arm, it means you need to like arch your back even more. He said, if I kick you on the way down, it means you need to put your arms out a little better. Like he's trying to tell me all these instructions that I need to follow in order to have this great experience and not die. <laughs> and then he gives me a harness. Has anyone ever gone rock climbing before? You know that harness you put on? A little awkward. Like the skydiving one's a little more heavy duty. So they put it on, they put it on super tight, and your legs are just stuck like this. And the man's like, okay, follow me. And I'm just like, you know, waddling down. I'm just like, cutting through a golf cart. We jump in the golf cart. We then go to the airplane. I go in 13,000 feet into the air. And I was doing okay until they open the door. Has anyone ever been on an airplane when the door opens? Like swoop or spirit, you know, one of those things? Like maybe the super duper cheap airlines, you know? So they open the door, and the door is like maybe three feet in front of me. Now I'm on a bench. I have no seatbelt. I have no parachute. In this moment, I could sneeze, roll on the floor, out the door, and die. And in this moment, my instructor, he said, Mike, you need to stand up and sit on my lap. <laughs> like, that was not advertised on the website. <laughs> in one of the most awkward moments of my life, I stand up. I sit on a grown man's lap with a mustache. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm cuddling with a man 13,000 feet in the air. But here we are spooning, and I'm just like, what am I doing? And then he attaches his harness to my harness, and then he stands up. And by default, I stand up. I'm just like dangling like a little baby kangaroo. And we go right to the edge. He says, we are jumping on three. One, two, there's no three, you're the filthy liar. We jump. <laughs> I was so upset in that moment. I almost lost my salvation for a second. Like, <laughs> and we're going down and down and down. And here's a picture of what it looked like. Yeah, like, that's pretty cool. Then they pulled the parachute, biggest wedgie of my life. But we get down, I'm going on, down on the man-made islands in Dubai, and we get down there. It was one of the coolest experiences ever. Now, what made it really amazing and cool was me having to do it his way. As he's given me all these instructions, what would have happened? If I said, oh, no, bro, like, these are great instructions, these are great commands, like, your way sounds pretty cool, but 
I'm going to follow my own way when we jump. You're like, Mike, you're a moron. Or how weird would it be if I said, hey, bro, like, yeah, I can do the seal thing, but, but when you hit my arm, I don't want to, like, have to go like that again. Well, how weird would it be if I chose to just pick and choose what area of skydiving I want to obey and trust him versus what areas I want to do it my way? Now, I'm not sure what your relationship with God looks like. The same idea, though. God calls us to follow. God calls us to live a certain way. He designed things a certain way. And the question is, are we doing life his way? Or are we choosing to do it our own way? Or are we maybe doing life his way in certain parts of our life? But there's other areas in our lives where like, I'm going to follow my own rules. I'm going to follow my own desires. I'm going to follow what makes sense to me. And I think for many Christians, if I'm being completely honest, this is a challenge for every person in this room. Now, there's a book called the Bible. Now, when you open it to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, here's what it says on the screen here. I'll say 1, 2, 3, ready, read, and we will read out loud, okay? Sound good? Your favorite part, I know it. 1, 2, 3, ready, read. Who's heard that before? And if you haven't, maybe tonight's your first time in any sort of church Christian environment. Well, first of all, I'm so glad you're here. And I recognize this might be something new. So we see this whole idea. In the beginning, God created the heavens, has a little S on there, and the earth. It's not talking about how God created, like, where he dwells. It's just the Hebrew people away explaining, like, he created, like, the universe, the atmosphere, like, everything we see in the daytime with the blue sky and the clouds, everything we see in the nighttime with the stars and the moon and smog and stuff. God created everything. Now, I know some of you are like, bro, Mike, I know this. But let's be honest, we live in a culture now where if you went outside and started proclaiming this, people think you're nuts. God created everything? Come on, man. Now, I believe this to be true. So when God creates everything, I think that gives us some reason to maybe trust him in everything, in every area of our life. Now, when you go to Genesis chapter 2, can we do something more weird? Is this okay? Are you sure? You, you kind of you hesitated a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to go is up from here, you know? Hey, does anyone have a Bible app on your phone? We're going to... Oh, yeah, that's a thanks for showing me your hands. Now, now, if you're able to get your Bible app, that would also help. Now, if you don't have one, totally cool. We're doing this. This might be weird, okay? 
Now, in Genesis chapter 2, we'll just put this on the screen here, um, from verse 4 to 25, it gives like an, an, another account of the creation story, maybe a little more detail. And the interesting part is, when you read through it, you see the term Lord God pop up. So here's what we will do, which might be a little weird. We are going to look at our phone or maybe our physical Bible, if you have one. We are going to read this out loud. And anytime we come across the word Lord God, I want you to yell it as loud as you can. So we're reading this out loud. You might read at a different pace. You might have a different translation. That's okay. But when you see Lord God, we are yelling it, okay? This will get weird, but you will remember this, okay? I'll say one, two, three, ready, read, and we're going for it. You guys ready? Okay, don't leave. <laughs> one, two, three, ready, read. There, yeah, there we go. Okay, keep going, keep going. Louder. Louder. Don't give up. Don't give up. I might cut you off, but don't give up. <laughs> okay. Let's pretend you finished, okay? People are out like revelation at this point. They're like, they kept, they kept reading. Oh. <laughs> so let me try to explain this, and you can finish reading a little later. Oh, I forgot the lights go on when I crossed that line. Sorry. Anyways, verse 4 to 25. Every time we see the idea of God, it's always Lord God, his connection to creation, Lord, 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 11 times, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. For God to be Lord, it's not just us giving him a cool title. For God to be Lord over creation, that means we're putting his way above our way. That means he is number one. It means we're keeping his command. It means he is king. And then we go into Genesis chapter 3. And here's what it says on the next slide. One, two, three, ready, read. So now the serpent, 
So time out. If you are handed a Bible, you have no Christian, you know, um, knowledge or education or understanding. You get to chapter 3, and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about with the serpent. But but there is references later on. The serpent is Satan, who God created. Now, the serpent is on scene. He's more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? God. The first time in the scriptures we see anything God created, refer to him as only God. Now, did Satan believe God? 100%. But was God Lord of Satan's life? No. And I share that because there is a huge difference. And one of the challenges I see in our culture today in Canada, there are a lot of people who say, I believe God. But how many of those people in Canada can say, he is Lord God of every area of my life? There's a difference. Now, there was a time in Canada where I think the stats said 89.4% of Canada had them lowered. We saw the impact of that. Now, since then, what we've seen is one generation after another slowly shift away from the Lord part. And maybe over time start doing life maybe a little more their way rather than his. For example, there's a few generations I have on the screen here. Right now, there's, I think, seven living generations. So we have the greatest generation. These are people born in 1900 to 1927. In a generation, when you are born in a certain time period, that means, like, world events, the culture, technology, shaped your worldview. So at this point, we had about almost 90% of Canada, stats were from 1904, but it gives you a pretty good, safe, you know, idea. The majority of Canada call themselves Christians. And I think you saw the impact of that. You saw school systems that God was Lord in. You saw political, you know, everything from top down. You saw the impact that made. It seemed like everyone went to church. Everyone did life God's way to an extent. The morals and values of our culture follow that. But then we start shifting a little bit. We get to the silent generation. These are people born in 1980, uh, 1928 to about 1945. Now, a really interesting thing with this group, they kind of grew up with your, you know, Christian church upbringing. But this was the generation that made the phrase midlife crisis popular. It's almost like, hey, maybe they're growing up, you know, doing life God's way, and then they hit 40, they hit 50, and they're like, start questioning everything. Could I, you know, get a better deal doing life my way? This is the first time in modern Canada you start seeing, like, divorce rates start rising. Interesting. 
some smart people will say, here's when we start seeing the shift. Then we have the baby boomers. Anyone a baby boomer here, by the way? Awesome. Now, they are great. Okay? These are people from around 1946 to about 1964. Now, some smart people will say this is what started the postmodern movement. You see, what, it was 1967, like, you know, the summer of peace. <laughs> People all of a sudden are starting, starting to question authority. Do we have to do life the way government called us to do it? Do we have to, is the pastor the authority? Is the church authority? People start questioning that. You see the Woodstock movement. I know we're in Canada, but there's a domino effect with it. The Woodstock movement. Go have fun. Go be happy. Go sleep with anyone. Go have drugs, with, you know, do drugs with anyone, whatever. Doesn't matter. Go do life your way, what that culture started introducing. That shifted. You got Generation X. And this was a group on the front line. There were actually more entrepreneurs that came out of this generation. You people born in about, again, 1966 to about 1980. There's actually more entrepreneurs in that category than any category we see. Now, here's the thing with an entrepreneur. You want to make money. And you can make more money in seven days than you can in six. Does anyone remember a long time ago where it seemed like almost everything was closed on a Sunday? And now everything's open on a Sunday? Hmm. Now, what does that kind of show our culture? Work, money, career, more important than God? You see the millennials, people born around 1981, the Canada stats will say 1981 to 1992, the U.S. stats will say 19, uh, 1981 to uh, 1995. And now what we're seeing is this is the first generation that we see leave the church. Hmm. Now they might still say, hey, I believe, but no longer Lord. You get Generation Z, the post-millennials, and their challenge isn't that they're leaving the church. Their challenge is they're not stepping in the church. And now we have a generation that might have very minimal to no understanding about Jesus, Christianity, and the morals and values that we see in the Bible. Then the alpha generation, these are like little babies being born right now, little baby mavericks. What kind of culture are they growing up in? And I share this because it seemed like at one time, Lord God, as a country, maybe a little compromise with one generation, another compromised here, and now I can say in Canada, we're pretty much in a post-Christian culture. Now, where do you fit into that story? That conversation of him being Lord. Lord God. Now, there's also another person in the Bible that seemed like maybe at one point they were getting it right, like maybe our country was at one point. Maybe this person maybe shifted that. You see a guy named Judas. Anyone remember him in the Bible in the New Testament? He's one of Jesus' disciples. He's one of the 12. And he's with Jesus. At one point, he's following. At one point in his life, I'm very confident we could say that like he made Jesus Lord. 
He trusted him enough to follow him for a couple years and do life Jesus' way. But then things are getting a little challenging, maybe starting to put the pieces together and going, maybe Jesus' way is not going to lead to the way I thought it would. You got a Roman Empire who wasn't a big fan of Jesus. You got these religious leaders who were not a big, part, a big fan of Jesus. Not many of us catch this part in the Bible. But the Lord suffered. Here's what it says on the scriptures here, and I'll slowly kind of wrap this up. I think we have a, a slide right here. One, two, three, ready, read. So at the Lord's Supper, he said, listen, someone's going to betray me. Someone's going to put maybe something else above me in my way. And he goes around the table. It's very clear in the scriptures in Matthew. Each disciple, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Lord, 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 Lord. And he, have you ever noticed Judas' response? Here's what he said. It's right here in the scriptures. One, two, three, ready, read. Did anyone notice that before? The only one at the table who didn't say Lord. And we know what Judas did. He sold Jesus. He sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Was that motivated by money? Maybe. Maybe he put money above God. Maybe he just thought I might be saved by, you know, maybe what could come of, you know, his whole movement. Maybe I'll spare my life. But whatever, he thought at some point, I'm going to drop the Lord title. So maybe I'll get a better, get a better deal doing it my way. This is powerful. Again, how many of us relate to this? Now, if I ask that question, is he Lord of your life? You go, well, I'm not even sure what that looks like. Because in church culture, if you were raised in church culture, how are we taught? We almost put like a, like a vertical list of different things in our lives, our top priorities. And we can go, yeah, of course, God is number one. He's Lord. And after that, it's our family. Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's our family. Maybe our, our, our finances. You guys know that beautiful vertical list, and it looks very beautiful when he is number one. But what does that look like practically? That means we just wake up early in the morning, give our first 15 minutes to God in the day, and say, hey, look, he's Lord. But when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to your social life, we don't think about him or his way or how to keep his commands or how to keep him first in any other areas of our lives. Yet we feel good because we gave him the first 15 minutes. And then we repeat that the next day. I'm not sure about you, but when I make a list that's vertical, it's very easy for me to go, yeah, he's Lord. What if we change that list from a vertical list to a horizontal one? And what if you start putting different categories in your life, your relationships, your work, your family, your finances, your hobbies, and then each 
category, you go one by one. Is he Lord of these areas of my life? Am I doing life his way when it comes to relationship and keeping his commands? When I go to work, am I putting him first above my boss? When it comes to my finances, am I giving my 10%? Am I trusting my finances in his hands? And we start going through every aspect of our life and start asking, is he Lord God or just God? For all of us, is it him being Lord over every single category? Or because we're human, is it, hey, in this area, he's Lord, but over here, he's just God. Over here, yeah, I believe, but I'm doing life my way. Over here, I just know I'm sinning, but, you know, whatever. But over here, one little thing, yeah, he's Lord again. What areas of, of your life is he Lord, and what areas is he just God? Because, again, there is a difference. So here's what we're going to do to wrap this up. Everyone, I believe, on your little piece of paper, on your little chair, you have a little piece of paper. So look at your butt, and underneath your butt, you might have this. So the question is, is there an area in your life where you need to make him Lord? Is there an area in your life where you maybe shifted away from him being number one and rather than doing it his way, you decided, I'm going to do life my way in this area. I want to control this part of my life. I, I want to, you know, keep this in my hand. And I know this area, these categories in my lives, I know maybe one of them, two of them, three of them, I'm not honoring God. He's not Lord. He's not king of that area of my life. And whatever those areas are, all I want you to do is write it on this piece of paper. Don't put your name on it. If there's one area, if there's three areas, maybe it's finances, maybe it's your relationship life, maybe it's your health, I don't know. Is there an area in your life where you know, like, I'm not keeping his commands, I, 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 I whatever, I've shifted. I've gone with the flow with culture and I'm fitting in without even thinking. I haven't even realized he's no longer Lord in this particular area of my life. And when you're done writing this down, I'll give you maybe 30 seconds. When you're done, I want you to roll it up into a ball and hold on to it for a second. While you're doing that, I'll share one more story, then I'm done. So I'm a Scarborough kid. That's why I'm allowed to make fun of it, right? And, and I'm not sure if I shared, I don't know if I shared this on the river, but um, growing up, I wasn't a church kid. I was not a Christian kid. I was not raised in your church home. And it's a long story, but the short story is at 13, my parents got a divorce. Mom was cheating on my dad. At, uh, the next year, I did not get along with my mom's boyfriend. I got kicked out of the house at 14. And it wasn't like kicked out, come back tomorrow. It was the police had to escort me back into the home through the garbage bag. You have five minutes to get your stuff. Crazy. Now, for the next couple years, I just went with the flow of culture, and I just did whatever I wanted to do. I got involved with the law, and I was breaking crime, and arrested multiple times, the drugs, the alcohol, party life, girls, all that dumb stuff. 
Now, in my defense, I did not know any better. That's how I lived. In other words, I was doing life my way. And over those years, I realized my way was not doing it for me. I actually became one of the most, like, I don't know, like, broken kids that you'd ever meet. I was not happy. There was no joy. There was no peace. And near the end of high school, one of my buddies, um, Daryl, he's one of my friends by default. You guys know what a friend by default is? Have I explained this before? Friend by default, like when, as, as little kids, when your parents are friends with their parents, they're forced to hang out with their kids. Daryl and I had nothing in common, but, you know, I had to hang out with him. And near the end of high school, Daryl said, Mike, listen, man. Your high school on Saturday evenings is run as basketball ministry. It's run by a church. Now, I know I look athletically challenged, but like basketball was my thing. Was the key word. You saw me play a few weeks ago. Like it was my thing. <laughs> it's a long story. So the very short version of the story. I got connected with the youth pastor while still living with life on my own. He invited me on a mission trip. I accidentally signed up. He said Mexico. I'm like, okay, I'm in. He's packing my Speedos. You know, like, can't wait. I went down there. And on a Wednesday evening, the speaker, the pastor, he gives a gospel presentation. If anyone wants to make him Lord of your life, here's your opportunity. I wasn't really sure exactly what that meant, but I can tell you where my heart and mind was. For me, I was never wrestling with the idea of believing God. For me, I was wrestling with the idea of, do I want to make him Lord? Do I want to make him Lord over every area of my life. So they did a response. Everyone come to the front, and no one did. Therefore, I'm like, I'm staying in my seat. But that night, I remember my prayer so much, so well. I said, God, I am done doing life my way. I want to start doing life your way. And over those many years, I discovered, as I put him, Lord God, over every area of my life, I discovered that is the way. But what it took was me recognizing maybe what I put on this piece of paper and realizing I need to let this go. I need to let my way down. I need to surrender this. I need to trust God. I need to stop picking and choosing what areas of my life I want to follow him. For me, I had to make a very intentional decision. Whatever I'm holding on to, I want to make him Lord of this. And here's what we're going to do. Put your little piece of paper in the air like this. And maybe everyone, if you're able, you can stand up. If you're able, stand up. 
immediately. Maybe something tonight spoke to you. Maybe it didn't. But maybe for some of us, we haven't even thought about the idea of him being Lord God versus just God. And maybe for some of you, you're like, yeah, I believe God, but you're realizing there's areas in your life you're doing it your way, not his way. Maybe tonight, whatever you put on these pieces of paper, you need to understand maybe letting go of this leads to the best way. I'm trusting his commands in this area of my life. I'm trusting what his promises in that area of my life. I'm trusting his commands in this area of my life. I'm trusting him, period, in this area of my life. In order to do that, I need to let this go and give it up. So I'm going to pray. And if you're saying tonight, you know, I want to make God Lord of whatever it is that you wrote on this piece of paper. I want you to take it and just chuck it up to the front and make this between you and God. And if you get hit with one in the head, pick it up and throw it up for them. And let's just say, God, I am giving this up. I'm making you Lord of this area in my life. I'm done doing it my way. I want to do it your way. I'm going to pray for you. Sound good? Lord God, here we are. On a surface level, a very easy message. On a practical level, it's hard because maybe doing life your way, making you Lord God in all these different areas of our lives, it means maybe we have to let something go. Maybe we have to trust an area in our, li- in our hands that we need to put it back into your hands. We need to trust you with this area of my life. Maybe there's sin in our lives that we think is fun, but we know that's not the way. It's not fulfilling us. Maybe for some of us, we know the areas and categories of our lives. But you are not, Lord. Yes, maybe we say we believe. You're not above everything in that category. And maybe you were at one point, and you just lost focus. Maybe we bought into the culture of easy Christianity where we say just showing up to church is good enough. But your son was very clear. He invited us to follow him, not just believe and continue doing life the way we want. Whatever it is that we wrote on this piece of paper, whatever area in our life we're saying, Lord, I'm putting you number one again. I'm putting your way above my way. I'm going to do my best maybe to come out of this service and understand what does it mean to truly make you Lord in this area. Maybe there's practical steps we need to take. Maybe there's decisions we need to do. Maybe there's things that we have to say no to. Whatever it is, we're giving this up and putting it down. Maybe for some of us in a certain area of our life tonight, we need to say, Lord, I'm done doing life my way. I want to do life your way. 
may we discover when we put that into action and live that out tomorrow and live that out every day of the week, every month of the year, may we truly discover this is the way. And Father, if there's anyone in this room who realizes it's not just making you Lord, but maybe it's making you Lord and Savior. May we recognize the reason we can trust our whole entire life in your hands you had demonstrated how much you love every single person in this room because of what your son did on the cross. Maybe there's someone in this room tonight where they're saying, I need to make you Lord and Savior and accept this grace. Accept the good news. Accept that we are forgiven as we make Jesus Lord. But my hope and prayer for everyone is we don't just leave tonight like it never happened, but maybe our lives can be transformed. And may everyone in this room, when we go through the horizontal categories and lists of our lives, we can say you are Lord God over every single part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.